0: about this video because today my mission is to make you more conscious of the coffee that you're drinking and also talk about the research behind it. So first, many people drink coffee in excess without realizing it. And second, many people don't know or have never tried reading the literature on a topic. So rather than googling or going back and forth between Healthline, Mayo Clinic, Entrepreneur.com, Economic Journal, and all these platforms that might show up if you google this topic, I want to normalize doing research on Google Scholar and reading publications with experiments that have been done on the topic. And before I continue, a really fabulous tool is examine.com. If you're not interested in the nitty-gritty of how the experiments were put together, this is a great overview um, and comprehensive summary of the topics about any particular compound or a food or a chemical that you would be ingesting and you'd like to know what the effects are on your health your um, Various other factors. So check it out. It's really great today I'm talking about personal experience But also research that I've done which is why I'm looking to the left a lot because this is a very well-researched topic that I'm sharing with you today And I am no expert in neither coffee nor biology or chemistry, so all of the information that I am sharing are things that I have read myself. So if you are an expert on any of these topics and you hear something that's not quite right, please comment it below because I value correct information above all else. Now going into my story, I love coffee. I started drinking it two years ago at an intense entrepreneurial event. And by the end of the third day, I was drinking black coffee straight without sugar because that much sugar would have been bad. And in university, I started drinking it every single morning to bring to class. And whenever I needed uh, like a pick-me-up throughout the day, I would just purchase a coffee at the university. I was making coffee in a Turkish pot at this point. So it's fairly strong depending on the ratio of water to beans that you use. And then in March of this year, when lockdown started, I purchased a mocha pot and it's a six pot mocha pot. And I was getting a bit more fancy with my coffee, spending more time making it and drinking it. And pretty much every morning, I would have half of that mocha pot, which is three cups, which are pretty much three espresso shots. So I was drinking quite a lot of coffee every single day the past few months. And last month when my aluminum mocha pot was accidentally misplaced in the dishwasher and it oxidated, I pretty much went cold turkey. Um, I did not uh, want to drink my previous Turkish coffee which I had previously made because it tasted more watered down to me now. What followed was pretty much the most exhausting and sluggish sad week that I've had in a really long time because I was experiencing caffeine withdrawal. And I actually thought I was sick for a while until I realized that, you know, I was tracing back what might have happened and I realized that it started exactly including headaches and the typical symptoms when I stopped drinking coffee, which got me thinking, because that raised a lot of red flags in my mind as to uh, coffee and the way I was drinking it and using it. So for background on coffee, there are different flavor profiles for the beans. Then you've got different levels of grinding the beans. And finally, there's different ways to extract flavor from the beans themselves. An espresso and a brew are the two primary types of um, coffee. So latte, cappuccino, americano, those all originate from an espresso shot. And a plain black with milk that you might get from something like Tim Hortons would just be a brew. In terms of how it's made, um, you might see coffee beans labeled as espresso beans. That's a little bit misleading. Um, Espresso is more so a process. To make espresso, the flavor from the beans has to be extracted at a very high pressure because you're trying to squeeze as much of that flavor into as little water as possible. So it's a very concentrated Uh, solution of caffeine. Depending on the method, you'll need either a fine or a slightly more coarse grind. Although I'm pretty sure for espresso, you would generally use a finer ground coffee. So you might have a mocha pot, which uses evaporation to form that high concentration, or you can use a pump method. And in general, uh, for an espresso shot, you've got about 60 milligrams of caffeine per shot. So that's in one fluid ounce or in 30 grams. Brews are kind of like tea, which makes sense. They generally use a more coarse grind because if you were to use a very fine grind, it would get a bit bitter. And there's different ways to do this too. You can either pass them through a filter like a Chemex or you can let it sit like a French press. And there is about 120 milligrams of caffeine per one and a half cups of brewed coffee. So let's move on to the caffeine. This is where the science comes in. So bear with me. I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of detail, but it's really, really interesting. Caffeine is a chemical compound found in coffee. And it has one key function that you're probably looking for when you drink it, which is that it antagonizes your adenosine receptors. So adenosine is an organic compound that um, throughout the day causes you to feel relaxed and calm and sleepy when it binds to your uh, receptors in your brain. I think they're called A1 and A2 receptors. It also causes vascular smooth muscle relaxation, which are the muscles responsible for controlling blood flow this part is interesting because it's what causes you to have headaches when you go off of caffeine throughout the day your adenosine binds to your receptors which causes vasodilation when you drink coffee it also generates a minimal initial contraction and i'm reading off of a journal here and then significant vasodilation so when you go off of coffee your blood vessels suddenly constrict again and that causes high blood pressure and that causes headaches i thought that was really interesting So caffeine essentially prevents that whole process from happening and it keeps you more awake as a result, but it doesn't actually replace sleep or deal with the reason why your body was trying to relax in the first place. Once we kind of know that background information, there were three key questions that I got to thinking when I had this whole withdrawal period. The first was what are the effects of coffee on energy? The second is what is the effect of coffee on productivity, both short and long-term? I began to wonder whether If I completely stopped drinking coffee or limited my intake, would I be just as productive? Or would I go through life maybe living one less hour because I needed an extra hour of sleep? And finally, what about dependence and withdrawal? What are the effects and is it bad? Before I start, also, uh, coffee is not unhealthy. If anything, it might actually be healthy. There's a lot of research to support that. However, where I was previously drinking upwards of 200 milligrams per day, probably around 300 given the mocha pot situation, I am now cutting it down to about 100 milligrams per day and only about three times a week. I won't go into detail about this and like the amount of coffee to drink exactly, but caffeine is really fine. Um, it's It's probably actually quite good for you. Just what's not good is not sleeping enough as a result. It makes sense to want to manage your energy. You know, you might have really sleepy, sleepy days. If you slept in um, or went to sleep too late and you need a little pick me up the next day or you're giving a presentation and coffee can certainly help you on days where you feel low. But energy ultimately comes down to your food, your lifestyle and your sleep. And if you're not getting enough sleep on a regular basis, that has a compounding effect. And I think that's what I really experienced was um, when I had my one week of really severe withdrawal it had sort of built up and and you can't really deny your body the sleep that it needs by just putting a bandaid on top of it, uh, of coffee. And I also realized that I'd rather get consistently sleepier throughout the day and have a good night's sleep at the end rather than experience spurts and then withdrawals and have to um, manage my body through intake of, of coffee. In terms of productivity and performance, it's quite clear that caffeine improves athletic performance And it's very likely because of the anti-fatigue effects of coffee, so your perceived level of exertion is actually a little bit lower. And I definitely found that doing workouts for the week or two weeks after um, was quite difficult, probably because of that. But it's also quite clear that coffee improves performance from a well cited study in the University of Wales in 1994, along with a slew of other studies that have been done. But I will talk about some issues with these studies in my next point. So in this study, which uh, suggested that coffee improves performance, they used 48 university students, equal amount male and female, and they were asked to fast the night before and then also not drink coffee prior to coming to the lab. And then they found that caffeine improved performance on memory tasks, alertness, logical reasoning, and semantic processing. There was also a study from 1995 of 25 managers who consumed about 575 milligrams per day. That's a lot and withdrew from it and then found that the deprivation decreased their performance, but not on highly complex tasks. The thing to note here, which will bring me into my next point about tolerance and withdrawal, is that 80% of people drink at least one cup of coffee per day. When these uh, studies were done, where they selected 48 university students and they were asked to fast for one night before um, and not drink coffee for one day before, these are very likely, especially considering they're university students, people that were regular caffeine users prior to the study. That's exactly the issue with many of these studies. So the, um, the fact that they were deprived of coffee from being habitual users tends to make the experiment more about the deprivation phase and the effects of being deprived of coffee than the effects of drinking coffee in the first place. I was really curious to know more about the long-term usage, um, trying to compare someone who does not drink coffee generally with someone who drinks coffee regularly. The challenge here as well is that uh, there's generally three approaches to testing, uh, to this type of testing. And this I'm pulling from a paper in 2005 by Jack E. James and Peter J. Rogers. I'm linking all of these below in the description, by the way. So in this uh, paper, They are saying that of the three approaches, only long-term withdrawal studies are capable of unambiguously revealing the net effects of caffeine. And overall, there is little evidence of caffeine having beneficial effects on performance or mood under conditions of long-term caffeine use versus abstinence. They're talking about long-term withdrawal studies here. The other two ways of conducting studies is the first, uh, comparing consumers to low or non-consumers. So the challenge with this is that because so many people are coffee drinkers the ones that aren't are generally um, straying away from the norm like there's something different about them possibly the coffee doesn't agree with their stomach or um, it doesn't really have much of an effect on them or there's probably very good reasons why they are not habitual coffee drinkers so comparing these two groups isn't quite fair the second is pre-treatment and ad-lib consumption studies the third approach is a long-term withdrawal study And one of my favorites that I read about is this one by J.E. James in 1998. He did a lot of research on caffeine and this one is really, really cool. So he chose 36 participants from university who reported a consumption of three to five caffeine beverages per day on average. Then these participants were put under a four week long study in which they were told to abstain from any caffeinated drinks whatsoever. They were even provided decaf options and teas um, just to make sure that they stuck to this. And instead of coffee, they were given a pill to take every single day. This pill was either caffeine or a placebo. So this was done for four weeks. At the end of every of those weeks, they did a three-hour long session in the lab where they did some kind of a a challenge. So the typical cognitive memory tasks. And each of those challenges revealed a specific effect. Um, So I'm going to go into more detail on that. And then leading up to that challenge, so throughout this week, day one to six, they were given either the placebo pill or the caffeine pill, same here and here and here. So specifically in week one, they were given from days one to six, the placebo pill every single day to take. At the end of that week, their challenge was they were given a placebo pill and then they had to do the challenge. So the result or the effect that would be revealed from this challenge was abstinence. For week two, they were given the placebo pill again, and then at the end of the week, they were given a caffeine pill, so reintroduced to caffeine, and the effect revealed by this would be an acute challenge. Week three, they were, beginning, they were given a caffeine pill every single day, and at the end, uh, for the challenge portion, they were given a placebo before conducting that study. So the effect here would be withdrawal because they had been reintroduced for a week on coffee and then deprived of it right before doing their experiment. Week four, they were given caffeine every single day. And then for the challenge, they were given caffeine again. So this would reveal habitual use and the results of that. The results are so cool. So they found that there were no differences and I'm reading from the paper here, but I'll link it in the description. There were no differences in performance between the sustained abstinence the acute exposure and the habitual consumption conditions however the performance during the uh, withdrawal condition was significantly impaired relative to the other three which pretty much brings home the point that many of the studies you see done um, regarding caffeine and performance tend to be actually the result of uh, deprival more so than introduction of the drug because so many of us are habitual users. I thought that was so exciting and really cool. And frankly, I think uh, the way that you go about your life and the way you structure your day, it goes beyond any kind of a coffee or or any intake that you you make. It's a combination of so many lifestyle choices. Um, And so for that reason, and also for the reason that I think it's important to be aware of the signals that your body is giving you with regards to sleep and what it needs, Um, That I'm decreasing my caffeine intake and I'm going to be drinking definitely more more as a treat than as a regular, like, I've got to have this because it's a Monday type of thing. I hope you enjoyed that. That was so interesting to research and I really enjoyed sharing that with you. Alright, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm in the exact same room because everything's already set up and I'm going to do my update from here. My main update is so exciting, I can't wait. So for the next four months, I'm going to be moving to Quebec City. It's about an eight hour drive away from where I'm at right now in Toronto. And I'm gonna be living there with my boyfriend for four months, so the duration of the next semester to take our online classes from there, um, to do a bit of a budget travel trip, and to explore the nature and hiking trails that there are in that area. It's absolutely beautiful. So you're gonna be seeing quite a bit of a different background every now and again in my content, but definitely uh, I'm excited to be inspired by the new environment. So that's my number one big update. My second update, which is kind of an addition from my notes, is that I've filmed this video twice. I'm not an actor, I don't like um, acting, so this was really tough and it's always hard to lose your footage. Um, I had some issues with the microphone, but um, you know, it's always a test of resilience and I'm proud that I, after half an hour of sulking about it, I'm proud that I got the energy up to record it one more time. So, hello for the second time. Um, What did I learn is, this is a little of a short one, but That plant there just got pruned recently. I knew that pruning was a thing, I didn't really know what it was, but essentially you're supposed to cut off dead leaves from plants because it drains resources. So that's something I learned just this week, which was really interesting. And then, what do I wonder? Um, Recently I've been thinking a lot about inspiration and being inspired by the things that you see around you. So when I got these glasses at uh, my optometrist, I showed my optometrist a picture of like thin frames and a bit of a cat eye and she said they were really trendy and she was like oh I'm, I'm not surprised like they're kind of back in style which got me thinking a bit that really there isn't such thing as an original style because everything that we uh, do is often an amalgamation at least creatively of the inspiration that we draw from the world around us. And finally, what do I love? Um, I've been reading a lot more, so if you don't follow my Instagram yet, go check it out because I, um, I've been posting, every time I finish a book, a little IGTV, just summarizing the book and the themes and some of my thoughts on it. So my favorite book recently was Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, and I actually wrote out a passage from the book, um, an art installation description. I don't like art installations usually, or modern art, but it was, such an amazing scene and the book itself is just mind-blowing. You're kind of you sitting there reading it and you're like, what is going on? I have no idea. It's best summarized in GIFs. I love reading the Goodreads reviews after I've read a book. Um, they're often very accurate. So I would highly recommend that book and check out my IGTV to learn more about it as well because I shared all my thoughts there. Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed snapshot episode number three and do your research about your health and with all those topics because it's really interesting. Hope you enjoyed. Bye!